Hello, and welcome to the third episode of Balustrade's World of Interesting Things. I'm Carter. And I'm Lex. And together we are... Balustrade! A band who were once supported by a ukulele orchestra. <laughs> that's we're a ukulele, from, right? That is. That's, well, that's, that's a man going... I can't remember if we were actually supported by a ukulele orchestra or we supported them. They were on before us, so technically they supported us. We so weren't on the same stage. Or... Or within 200 metres, really. No, probably better, because they would have been intimidated by our large guitars. Yeah. Oh, no! They're like giants! <laughs> so, for this third episode, we hope Ooh. you enjoyed our last episode about foreign language Wasn't films. that exciting? It was very exciting. And the fact that we've actually made it to the third episode is uh, is quite notable. We're sat here on a very hot and sweaty it, Tuesday evening. It is remarkably sweaty. Um, if you, Well, we're both wearing mankinis, to be honest. It's it's unpleasant. Exactly, in every way. Yeah, there, there's stuff dripping all over the shop. You don't want to be here. No, and Lex has just poured a uh, glass of water all over the table, nice. which has been exciting for everyone involved. So that's, that's the drama of now. <laughs> so, so if we hear any fizzing and buzzing, then, then that's the reason why. It's because I'm a clumsy oaf. <laughs> anyway, so the subject this evening is, after foreign language films, we thought we would move on to... Comics. And more importantly, historical comics. I think we chose comics because I am a massive comics geek, and every now and again I subject poor Carts to having to read comics, which I think he will quite enjoy. There have been some very good ones down the years. Excellent. Saga being a particular favourite of mine. A very good one. And some others. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what we thought we would do is we picked out a couple, and the first one we're going to talk about is called A Castle in England. Now... What we've done is rather than choose something mainstream and basic like mm-hmm. superhero stories, Boom. which isn't the only part of comics, I thought I'd choose something quite different and left field. Um, are, are, are you are you starting now? Should I get the timer? Ready? I think we probably should. Here we go then with five minutes. That's five minutes <laughs> on. A Castle in England. So, A Castle in England is written by Jamie Rhodes and it's published by No Brow Press. Now, uh, No Brow Press are a London-based company who specialise in independent small press books, but one of their specialities is the fact that their production values are second to none. And this book is a beautiful hardcover, it's got a fluoro orange throughout, yeah. and it's just a genuinely lovely book. It is piece. the nicest looking book that Lex has lent me over the years of lending me nice looking books. It, and, it's beautiful. And no bread books are always lovely, lovely things. Yeah. Um, but the other reason which I lent it, as I said, is I wanted to pick a comic. I, I think comics are, everyone thinks comics are just about superheroes, but they're not. And... There's, it's often easy to get caught up in the graphic novel trap as well, um, where, oh, it's not comics, it's graphic novels. And that's just as bad as saying, oh, comics, they're just for kids. So I've chosen Castle England because it's neither a comic nor a graphic novel. It's sequential art telling oh. a story. Oh, yes. is it? Is it, that it is. what it is? I've done my, my film nerd voice already. <laughs> um, and it's also got an added... Uh, interest for us because it is based in Kent. Now what mm. Jamie Rhodes, the writer, has done is he spent a year in Scotney Castle in Kent. That's somewhere I don't think either of us have been nope, never despite having lived in Kent. Um, and so basically he's taken uh, half a dozen stories from his time there yeah. and turned them into 
uh, comic stories. Um, they're not comic as in funny or humorous, but they're just no, nice stories. Not even nice. They're just little stories. Just little stories. Little snapshots of uh, the, the family yeah. that live in Scotland yeah. Castle. So the first one is about the Peasants' Revolt. And I have to say, when you lent it to me, that was the one that I enjoyed the most out of the, out of the ones there. Yeah. It's a beautiful little story. The yeah. second one is The Priest by Bryony Smith. The first yep. one is called The Labourer by Isaac Lenkovich. Ooh, Apologies for butchering the name there. <laughs> um, and so, again, peasant, so it goes through in different different stages. Yeah. So the first one, Peasants' Revolt, is about a father and son yeah. uh, dealing with uh, oppressive landlords and the tyranny of that period. And it's kind of obviously you can tell that Karts and I both have degrees in history because yeah, we're and not so fumbling around. We this can topic we can discuss this it's, topic in depth. Yes. Oh, what Tyler? Yes, exactly. And some other people. And then the second is about uh, the Reformation and about yeah. how the family hid a Catholic priest and yeah. how the kind of the issues of dealing with uh, hiding their religion at a time when it's going back before between Protestantism and mm-hmm. Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third was The Smuggler by William Exley. So each story has a different artist, which I think yeah. really helps yeah. make the book feel different. Absolutely. It doesn't feel like you're sort of wading through a massive book all about this and it looks the same. They've all got very different visual styles, very interesting ways of portraying different characters and different feelings and emotions stuff through their yeah. art. It's great. Yeah, yeah it's the colour that brings everything together. Yeah. So everything's done in Uniform. black and white, but with this sort of orange hue and different artists yeah. use it in different ways. Yeah. Um, so there's the smuggler, which is all sort of a Georgian smuggling tale. See, I, the smuggler, I think, is my favourite. I think ah. because it feels the most well, like a story because well, it's got a beginning yeah, and a yeah. middle and an and end and, the, a, and a kind of cliffhanger. It's the one it reminded me. Um, many years ago, I used to listen to BBC Radio Seven, as oh. it was, oh. which did old Radio Four programmes from like the sixties, seventies, and stuff. And they had a dramatisation of the Russell Thorndike Doctor Sin novels, Ooh, and okay, they're yeah. about. A priest who is a smuggler on the Romney marshes in this era, and it really took me back to those. And it reminds, oh, they're great stories. Those yeah. are, and, and so it's great, evocative of that period. And there's a hint of Poldark in there as well. I don't know. I don't like Poldark. <laughs> you... I don't. I don't know what a Poldark is. Oh, it's just a Cornish hairy man doing some scything, really. <laughs> like a scything pasty. Exactly. Um, so as well as that, then there's also a story called The Widow by Becky Palmer, yep. which is. I've just written in my notes, Suicide by Blunderbuss. Yes. That's how the that's, story begins. Um, that's that's quite, yeah. quite a It's It a shows moment. the sort of the tragedy that runs through that particular branch of the family, really. Yeah. It's all very sad and... And it's about whether or not the sort of the castle is haunted by the sort of misfortunes that yeah. happens to the family. Yeah. Um, and then the final one kind of wraps up with a sort of Edwardian tale about a... Uh, the fam- the man of the family going mm. off hunting in Africa, and I think each one kind of encapsulates that sort of time period yeah. it's set in. That one was absolutely brilliant in the, the look, the sort of the style of the art was so of its time. It's mm. really got that kind of early twentieth century thing going on there, it's, yeah. and it's brilliant moustaches, great trousers. <laughs> I love a good trouser because <laughs> that's actually the one I. Oh, five minutes up. is up. That's because we just waffled. I was going to say, that's actually the one that I found the most difficult to read because mm. I found it was the most abstract in terms of concept and style and the yeah. way that the it didn't have as flowing or no. linear a story. It, it felt quite disjointed, yeah. but it did look 
very interesting. Yeah. Well, I found the one about the priest the most difficult to read yeah. because I found the characters all looked quite similar to me. Yeah. And I was looking really carefully, go, now, are we with the father and the mother here or with the, the daughter and her family and all of that kind of and stuff? And it also doesn't, doesn't really resolve itself no. very well. You kind of get to the end and it finishes rather yeah. than an end story. But I guess this is part of what makes it the book well, quite, work quite nicely. Well, exactly, it doesn't have that flow to it. Life doesn't have an ending. It doesn't have a sort of an ending. It doesn't wrap up in a three-act thing. It's it's honest and it's true to yeah. what's happened. And it's really great that um, Jamie Rhodes hasn't forced the stories no. into those corners to try no. and make them work. No. He's kind of taken these snapshots and, you know, you could say the labourer kind of works as a kind of class struggle yeah. story that you've got now. Yeah. Um, the priest certainly works with issues of sort of religious intolerance mm. and mm. Um, persecution that we're kind of going through. Mm. Um and it's sort of it works quite nicely as a way to tell these stories in a different and unique way. Absolutely. Um, and the final point I think before we wrap up, one of the things I really like about it the most is the fact that it's supported by the Arts, Arts Council. It's available in the National Trust yep. shops and uh, and, national, and I yep. imagine Scotland Castle must be a National Trust. Yes, it probably is. And I'm sh- as a way to get people reading and finding A, comics, and yeah. B, about history, yeah. is a really interesting and different yeah. way of approaching it. Yeah, I, I could see that this kind of book, if I did a National Trust property, which I often am, yeah. <laughs> it would be a book that I would immediately grab off the shelf and look and consider and then put back because it's too expensive. It's, but that's just me. <laughs> exactly, but it's, but it's great that that kind of thing is there. Yeah, and it's abs- not just going to be another sort of dry textbook. Oh, the... it's something so different and it's to be massively applauded. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a really interesting book. So yeah. uh, thank you to No Brow Press for sending it to me to have a look at. He gets um, freebies, This but I don't get freebies. Lex gets freebies, I don't get nothing. But you get to read them after I do, that's so true. it's not too bad. So, <laughs> so that was A Castle in England by... Uh, Jamie Rhodes. So, our next choice in our historical comics is the granddaddy of them all. The king of historical comics. The indomitable Gaul. Asterix. (laughs) Five minutes, here we go. So, yeah, I've brought Asterix to the table because I'm not one, really, in my general life for comic books and things like that. I never had your Superman. I never had your... Spider-Man. They didn't interest me. They weren't what I was into. But all through my life, I've had these Asterix books. And they've really been the things that kind of got me interested in history in the first place, I think, as a history graduate. I think that's sort of... These are the things that probably drew me into that kind of world. And I think I'm probably the same as well. Mm. I think Asterix is one of those books where... Because when we were growing up, you would have had the Beano, and you would have had Dandy, and... Buster. yeah, and Wizard and Chips. And we're probably a few years off, like I said, the American comics. Mm. But for me, they were in our library at primary yeah. school. Yeah. And that's where I, I started reading them. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. One of my points on Asterix is this is the the kind of the authority-approved comics for kids. Yeah, they are, they've got... They're educational. History, educational. The first one I've picked up here, Asterix the Gladiator, um, says in front... One by Jane Carter for my scrapbook, La Rochelle 86. So my sister Jane clearly won this for doing a brilliant scrapbook. And you stole it from her. I stole it from her cowardly, cowardishly. They're words, aren't they? They are. And another, my first asterisk book that I got was The Mansions of the Gods. And I won that at Cubs. Wow. I don't even remember. Oh, that was a great one. It was a property developer comes to the village 
and he tries to develop massive, new, exciting, high-rise blocks for the for the Romans to live in, a sort of modern living. It's kind of mm. like the new town. It was like building Crawley in, <laughs> in Brittany. <laughs> but a nice Crawley. Is that, does that thing exist, a nice Crawley? I don't know. In the football team, we always used to call uh, Crawley fo- football team Creepy Crawley. Obviously. So that's clearly, I don't know where we're going from there. Anyway, so back to Asterix. <laughs> so one of the things I'm most impressed about with Karts is we've got our copies of Asterix sat in front of us here, is that he has got the tiny versions, the A5-ish. The little A5 size, ones. Whereas which... I have, and size isn't everything, folks, but I have the big A4 oversized versions. Yeah, I've only got four of my Asterix that I could lay my hands on. Me, The others are probably at my folks' house. But um, they're lovely books. They they're really so, are. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a reflection of how much they mean that mm. we both have both of our yeah. copies. And yeah. mine still have my name written in them yeah. from when I was young. And so what 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 was your favourite bit about Asterix? What would you say? What What's your things that you remember the most? The wordplay, yeah. the jokes, the names of the characters, things like that. I mean... Who have we got? We've got the Unhygienics, the Fishmonger. What yeah. a great name that is. Exactly. Get a Fix, the Druid. Yeah. Slash drug dealer. Vercingetrix. Who was... Is, wasn't he the chief? Yes, he was. Oh, no, that's Vital Statistics. Oh, that's Vital Statistics. <laughs> I was reading one today as well, and it was uh, there was Gluteus Maximus, yep. the, uh, the gladiator. Yep. Uh, um, Christmas Bonus. Oh, nice. <laughs> Which I hadn't seen before. Um, there's Geriatrix, who is the old guy of the village. Yep, and Cacophonix, the bard. Wonderful. And obviously all these names slightly go over your head when you're a child. But yeah. But there's kind of that clever wordplay. And also I was looking at, um, my favourite one is uh, Asterix and the Legionnaire. Oh. The Legionary. And he goes off and he meets all these characters from around the world. The yeah. Visigoths and the Egyptians. Yeah. And in, there's one where he goes to the Olympics and he goes to the Greeks. And they all yeah. have their, their speech bubbles, their fonts change. So the yeah, Greek exactly. one has this angular font and the Visigoth has yeah. this German Cyrillic font. Uh, and then we're, we're both font lovers, aren't we? We are. Does that come from this? I think so. There's a wow. lot, lot to be said from that. And the, t- yeah. the panels are so dense and there's yeah. so much detail in yeah. each one that... Even now, when you read back, there's these little things that you don't notice. No, exactly. Um, but these also little running running gags throughout, like every time they punch another person and knocking out of their sandals. Yeah, or, it's, yeah it's beautiful. Or the piles of, piles of helmets that yes, they collect. and Oblix carrying as many helmets as he can. Exactly, and just their love of boar as well, yeah. and eating whole boars. <laughs> Who wouldn't, if I had given the chance? Wouldn't? Didn't you always want to be at a feast at the end? They always have the feast in the yeah. village at the end. Exactly. And the bard is always tied up so he can't join in. Yeah. I always wanted to be uh, carried around on um, a men here, like, uh, like the chief, like Vital Statistics. Oh, on, on his shield. On his carried on, on his shield, shield yeah. of course. That can be arranged. Yeah. Do you have a shield? No, I don't. That can't be arranged. Not a sturdy enough shield that could possibly hold my delicate How length. sturdy would that shield need to be to that hold balustrade? To, that would have to be a reinforced shield and some very sturdy men to carry it. Yeah, most um, most stages in the West Country cannot support us. No, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop that, ignore that. There we go. I think we've got... Uh, there's a couple of interesting things. You had an interesting thing to say about names and translations. Yes, um... Because I, I did my research, as in I looked at Wikipedia last night, um, they were first published in 1959, and of course they all the characters have French names. Yep. Because but, they are written by French men. Yes, yeah, so, but they have 
names which don't necessarily make sense to us, and this is why we like the translated version so much, I guess. Um, the bard is Cacophonix, which is an, a humorous name for a, a bard who makes terrible music. Exactly. Um, I, I also noticed as well, from reading them today, that he sings um, uh, sort of versions of Western songs with the words changed. Does he? Which obviously completely went over my head. Oh. There was one that said, maybe it's because I'm on Armorican. That I love Amorica so. <laughs> I've never like, noticed I, that. That's that great. completely means nothing to me when I was eight. But now That's it really just made cool. me chuckle tonight. That's really cool. Yeah, so Cacophonix is the English name. And the French name is Assurantorix, which means comprehensive insurance, nice. literally translated. Not quite as catchy or fantastic. Not, not as exciting. My other thing that I was going to talk about was the fact that uh, on the back of mine they've got all of the little covers. And yes. I always used to go through and and kind of want to... There were certain ones which I always felt were more collectible and desirable to read, mostly the ones that I hadn't read. Yes, it was clever, clever bit of marketing, exactly. that, if that's what it was. I don't think I ever read Asterix and Cleopatra, for example. I read that. And I don't think I ever read The Twelve Tasks of Asterix. The Twelve Tasks of Asterix was kind of like the Hercules rip-off. Yeah. Asterix in Britain was a great one. I always wanted to read Asterix and the Black Gold. It felt a bit more Tintin-y. But I never got... And, and Asterix and Sun, where he's feeding a giant baby. I don't remember Asterix and Sun, but Asterix and the Black Gold I've not read. It's the sort of the later ones that I've not read. Yeah. My favourite is Asterix and the Banquet, yeah. where he goes around France getting sort of regional dishes to serve at a great big banquet at the end. And again, what we were saying about how it teaches you about history, I learned about legionnaires and cohorts yeah. and all of these things by reading Asterix. But also, because we're nice middle-class boys, we were also encouraged to read them in French. And so I actually learned French by reading Asterix See, as well. I, I wasn't. Oh, you're not. No. Well, have that, I told you yeah, that middle-class yeah, brush? I'm not that middle-class, mate. No. Other thing I noticed, which is quite interesting, is that if you read Asterix the Gaul, which is the first one, yeah. Obelix is quite skinny in the first one. Is he? Yeah, they changed the design of him. Oh. So if you have a look. If you look on that, he's all skinny Goodness and scrawny. Me. Yeah, it's a totally... It's kind of like looking at old Simpsons. Yeah, or when you see early Garfield strips yeah. as well. And they haven't quite got that visual style yet. So Obelix's thing wasn't either he fell into a vat of, um, of, of their magic potion. Oh, the magic potion. And this is what I really liked about Asterix, is that although it's very educational and very approved, it's actually a bit edgy. Yeah. In that these, these ghouls basically get drunk. Or on, drugged up. Or drugged up, depending yeah. on which way you want to look at it, on this super potion that they brew, mm. the crazy old druid... Yeah. Out, out in the woods, brews yeah. up his homebrew potion. <laughs> Moonshine. A, yeah, they have a quick sup of it yeah. and suddenly become superhuman. So what I liked about them, it goes back to why I like the labourer story. It's kind of the little person fighting back against the overwhelming majority. Yeah. And it's that kind of, the underdog kind of thing. Oh, it's very much that kind of occupied yeah. m- mindset, isn't it? Which yeah. I suppose you could, you could appreciate if it's being written in France in the 50s. It's well, of, exactly. You know, Gossini and Odeze would have, would have probably lived, lived through, through that, yeah. so I understand that. I think we've I think probably said everything we can. That was us talking about historical comics. I think we've covered quite a lot of that. So I think we have. been quite a good discussion. Yeah, there's, there's a lot in there. The world of historical comics is rich and varied and to be explored. So... Please get in touch. <laughs> that, they don't I'm desperate enough. Please. <laughs> Currently, as I sit here and I tell you that our Twitter handle is yeah. at BroitPod. That was my favourite bit of last <laughs> week was listening to you fumble over that. Because I, I want you to keep calling it Boyt. 
Because it, <laughs> it doesn't it work. A thing. It does. Boit. Boit Pod. Boit. Currently, at Boit Pod has three followers. Oh, I, I don't think I'm one of no, them. No, you are not one of them. <laughs> it is myself. Yeah. It is Dave Jarman. Oh, good old Dave. Well done, Dave. And I think it's my wife, Joe. The other ways you can get in touch are on email. You can email boitpodcast at gmail.com. That's boitpodcast at gmail.com. Look at that, you've got another follower. <gasps> Sorry, I'm ruining your outro. <laughs> no, this is exciting. It's like the world is finally tuning in. Or oh, me and my two Twitter accounts are now both following Boitpod. You can go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash balustradehq. And you can see how little we've been performing gigs recently and also catch up on the latest podcast antics. Yes, I put some photos up there now and again and uh, quite begging, looking, please um, subscribe to us on iTunes. And I'm quite impressed that we're even on iTunes. That's very good work. I was. I was quite pleased with myself. I thought it was really difficult, but it's quite easy. Oh, there you go. We might even have some listeners. Who knows? Hello, listeners. Hello, listener. (laughs) (laughs) Or bye, I suppose, as well would exactly. be the next thing to say. <laughs> Don't end on a hello. So next time, I'm not quite sure what we're going to do. What are we going to do next time? Should we announce what we're going to do next time? I don't think time? we should. I think we should leave yeah. it a secret. Next time, we are going to come up with another exciting topic that we can ramble away on. The world is full of interesting things that we have very little knowledge of, but we can talk about. Right, at length. Or at <laughs> least for five minutes until a, an, a, an app goes beep. <laughs> and if that's not reason enough to tune in, then I don't know. I don't know what is. Bye. The invincible ghoul himself, Asterisk. Or Asterisk. What, what's his name? Asterisk. <laughs> Asterisk. Sorry, not Asterisk. <laughs> Oh, you know I'll put a little bit at the end. Yeah. There we go. Oh.